Welcome to the Live Well, Perform Better podcast, brought to you by Below the Line. My name is David Duggan, and I'm part of a team made up of experts from the worlds of business, elite sport, adventure, and health and well-being. We are coaches, mentors, and advisors to some of the world's biggest companies and organizations, as well as smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, and people looking to make their mark on the world. Our guiding mantra at Below the Line is live well, perform better. What does that mean, you might ask? Good question. Maybe the easiest way to describe it from our perspective is finding the formula that works for you when it comes to things like looking after your physical and mental health, running your business, developing your career, leading your people, or simply being able to show up as brilliantly as possible into your own life, both for yourself and those around you. That's why each week I sit down with a member of our team or an invited guest for a conversation that focuses on the question, what do the words live well, perform better mean to you? This question is a way in to exploring with people from a range of different backgrounds, industries and disciplines. What are the practices, techniques, habits or ideas that they use to help them to show up and be at their best in all areas of their lives? Whether that's as CEOs, leaders or managers, or as parents, family members or friends. We keep it short and sweet so that you can extract all the good stuff and get on with the rest of your day and hopefully put some of our knowledge, experience and expertise into play for yourself. This week I am joined by a very special guest, Jack Marshall. Jack is a health and wellness coach who works with individuals and teams in the corporate world as well as in schools, introducing older and younger people alike to the powerful health benefits of yoga, breathwork and meditation on our minds and bodies. This was an inspiring conversation with a young man who has overcome the challenge of living with debilitating chronic pain and who now puts what he has learned transforming his own health into use by helping the clients he works with to transform theirs. Jack's road to recovery began when he came to the conclusion that he was the only person who was going to be able to get him out of the situation he was in and listening to this conversation will reveal how he did it and how he now manages to stay pain-free, mobile and healthy, both mentally and physically. Please subscribe at www.belowtheline.ie where you can stay up to date with our podcast, as well as exclusive online events and sessions, including our Press Pause coaching community and our story coaching programs. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Um, So yeah, look, why do you do what you do? Okay, so I think the best place to start is just to tell exactly what I do. So um, I teach yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and I do health and wellness coaching one-to-one with people. Um, And I'll start with the first part, which is schools. I do it in schools, um, mainly to TY students. Um, Then one-to-one coaching can be anyone, really, anyone with any health or wellness issue that they'd like solving. And I also do it with corporates as well. I have a background myself in, I worked as an accountant for four years. So um, I do understand kind of the day-to-day stresses associated with, with that environment. So it's nice that I can kind of bring um, an element of that into my mindfulness classes, especially with corporates. Um, now, why do I do it? Um, my my experience, I suppose, my, it comes back to, uh, this with a lot of people. Um, I struggled, I lost my health um, pretty much at quite a young age, around, it must have been 20 when it started. 
um, and I just began to experience pain in my body uh, quite randomly. Um, I was fit and healthy. I played soccer. I ate well. I slept well. I, I did everything right in my own head. Um, and then my body just began to break down completely. Um, it progressively got worse over time to the stage where I genuinely thought I'd never walk again. By the time it, it was it was spiraling quite badly, and by thirty, I thought I was I was going to be in a bad place. I'd also be di been diagnosed with like um, arthritis and ankylosing spondylitis, which, when I googled them, scared the life out of me as well. So it wasn't going in a great place for me. Obviously, that affected my mental health because I now couldn't play sports. Um, I didn't really enjoy my job either, so I just wasn't really happy in my life. Um, and one day I just decided I was on these drug, I was on some sort of injections. I just decided I wasn't doing it anymore. They weren't helping for a start. And I also had an idea that to be honest, the doctors didn't really know what was wrong. Um, they were kind of guessing, they were doing their best. They were doing their absolute best, but um, they didn't really know what was wrong. So um, I began then to just try and sort this out for myself. I started yoga and from there I kind of, that first day I went to yoga and whatever, maybe four years later, I'm where I am now. But that day I went to that class. Um, I can look back and admire that person because I was struggling back then um, and, I, and I had to pull myself out of it. And I did. Um, and that's the reason why I do it. The reason, so it kind of links back to why I do it. The reason is, is because I think a lot of people are in the same situation as me. I think, um, they don't have the education. Like I really wanted to get better, but I didn't know how. Um, and I've had to learn. And that's fantastic through different experiences I have learned. But I would also like to fast track that experience for other people. I don't want them to, like there was a lot of pain and suffering involved for a period of time. And to go with that, a lot of help, helplessness, which I think is probably the worst experience when you just think no one can help you whatsoever. Um, so yeah through what I've experienced, I'd like to be able to educate people on how to improve their health and wellness. Um, and yeah, I think with that education, it's then easier to make the right choices. But I think, I think there is kind of a gap there between, um, between what's out there and what really helps people. Um, so education, awareness, um, and just helping people. I really do enjoy helping people because I know how much it's helped me, like, I've experienced it myself, this, this healing and for the past four years. And I just think it's a wonderful experience for anyone to experience that. So that's why I do it, it's to help people and to educate people. So it sounds to me like there was a, at least a decade there where you were in various levels of pain and immobility. Is that right? Well, it was only, well, I'm 27 now. So it was, it started at 19, I'd say, and it went on. I mean, I still experience pain like the odd time, but it's very much uh, under control. I'd say for a period of six years, it was, it was, yeah, from I'd say 19 to 25, I had no control over it. It was, it was, it was just getting worse all the time. Um, and then, like I said, that I, I went and I went to a first yoga class and to be honest, I actually hated yoga for the first year I did it. I experienced none of the benefits that people talk about. It didn't calm me down. It didn't help my pain. Um, I just kept going though. I just kept going. I was like, if I have to do something. And 
through that, I actually went to India um, right at the start of the pandemic, which was last year, um, 18 months ago, um, to learn to be a yoga teacher. I quit my job as an accountant and I said, I'm going to try this. And um, that was a great experience for me. I think it opened my eyes into, into different, like I did yoga, but I'd never experienced meditation before. And I think I learned from that, that meditation was massive for me. It was the first time I really, that sense of calm, um, peace, I really, really experienced it. Um, and it helped my yoga practice. They kind of work hand in hand. But once I experienced that, I, I really began to, it was the first time I really believed I could get better. Um, and that's a huge moment, I think, for anyone who ever experiences, whoever goes on a journey like I did, I think that belief that I can get better. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was massive going to India, meditating. And meditating is something that I do every day. And I think it's, it's just a, such a wonderful practice. Um, and I, I wish, I, I'd love more people to do it, uh, just because I think to experience peace of mind by just sitting still is so powerful. Um, I know we can get our kicks from sport. I get it myself um, from even going out and socializing. I think all those things are wonderful, but I think being able to sit with yourself and really experience peace is probably the most powerful thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. Which leads, leads me to my next question, which is about, you know, practices or habits or behaviors that you engage in. So obviously meditation is one, I presume there's a yoga practice in there for you daily or during the week. But, you know, just talk to me a little bit more about that. Um, I'd love to love to hear about that. So yeah, yoga would be one of my yoga mobility would be something that I practice maybe maybe three or four times a week. Um, but I also see the value in if I don't do them, I go for a walk in the morning. Um, it's something that I never really thought I'd do. It wasn't. It's not really. I was always into intense type of sports um, and like performing, but actually going for a walk uh, first thing in the morning is a lovely thing to do. Um, so if I don't do them, I'll go for a walk. Um, then I'll tend to do breath work. So um, I learned breath work while I was in India, um, just simple yogi breathing techniques, and I love them. Um, it's something that I do for maybe 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes before I do my meditation. And then I do 20 minutes of meditation. And I'll do the type of meditation I do is transcendental. So it's, it's um, I learned it from through Ayurveda, which is a kind of holistic medicine. Um, it's a fantastic form of meditation. It's, uh, it really is. It's probably, I've done lots of different types, but I've been really consistent with this. I just do this 20 minutes twice a day, the exact same. And I experience fantastic benefits from it. I, I, can't, I can't talk highly enough of it, to be honest. Um, and like every day isn't brilliant. Like some days I'm there and I'm sitting there and it's not, it's not uh, desirable. But um, more often than not, and it's not necessarily the practice itself, it's how that feeds into the rest of your life. And I know I, I experience a lot of peace from, from meditating. And then other than that, I mean, I eat well. Um, I think that's such a massive thing. Uh, so simple, but um, eating well, I, I, I'm very much into the happy pair. I live at home with my mum for the last year, for the last two years, nearly through the pandemic. And um, yeah, we both eat. She's done a lot of the happy pair courses and they're fantastic. And the food is the variety, the taste. 
Um, like I think even in the fitness industry, fitness and well-being industry, or there's a huge emphasis on food just being for performance. But um, I've definitely changed my tune on that. Uh, I think some of the foods, some of the tastes you can get are just wonderful. And I think that's something that I've improved my I've improved my relationship with food massively over the last two years. And actually just experiencing food, food. Um, yeah. Then otherwise I sleep well. I, I prioritize sleep, eight hours sleep. And, um, and outside of that, in the last year, as I began to get better, I've integrated myself back into sport. And that's been a massive thing for me, I think. And anyone who's listened to this, like, like sport is just the community it has, the being around people. Um, it's just fun. I, I can't tell you enough how much that's been good for me. I play tennis and soccer mainly, and I just absolutely love it. Um, and it's really just being around people, uh, sharing that experience. It's, it's just wonderful. Yeah. I remember you talking about, uh, something on a, a zoom call a while ago, about I think you were going down to spend some time with a friend who wasn't in a great place. And you just, you, you brought the football and you just said the crack we knocked out of the football was just enormous, you know? And I, I had a similar experience a couple of years ago, um, being in actually in Nepal with Ian Kingston, who, you know, as well, and there was a ball. And we just kicked ball around this the, the the yard of the school. And I said, I haven't done this in years. This is great. And I bought a football when I got back. And there's still one out the back garden that I regularly go out to kick around. It's just good fun. It really is. I completely agree. And even like another one of my friends, one day we did something similar. We went out. There's like a hurling field out the back of my house. And like, I'm not a hurler and neither is he. And we were there for two hours just. And like. I think as well, when you almost don't play a sport, uh, when you don't take it seriously, there's no judgment. You don't have that judgment of I'm terrible or, you know, so we were just there to have fun. And I think even in exercise, and it's one thing that I tell the kids in school is like, I think when we're kids, we all dream of being a fantastic soccer player or particularly in this country, the schools in Tipperary, it's, it's all hurling. But like at the end of the day, only 15, pe only 15 people can play for Tipperary. So where do you fit in outside that? And just, just make exercise fun. Just go for a kick around with your friends, play five aside. Um, do something you're bad at. If you're terrible at rugby, go and play tip rugby. Just have a bit of fun. Like it doesn't have to always be serious. And I think that's one thing they really do take from it. It's just like sport isn't supposed to be serious. It's supposed to be fun. Um, and I think even I remember when I was, um, when I was younger and I supported Man United, um, I remember Alex Ferguson in his book just said, every time he used to tell the players to go out, and this is at the highest level, he just, the last thing he says, go out and enjoy yourself. And I think that's a massive thing in sport. You just, just go out and enjoy yourself. Um, and you're more likely to express yourself and perform. Um, they come hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, my next question is just about, you know, the below the line, strap line, which is, as as you know, is live well, perform better, but I'd love to know what's your interpretation of that and what does that mean to you? Yeah, well, um, I think they work hand in hand and I think you perform as a byproduct of living well. So um, living well to me is committing to your health and wellness, committing to your relationships and if you commit to your health and wellness and you commit to your relationships, that is performance to me. Um, anything past that, 
we've huge, we've very high expectations of ourselves in every aspect. But if you get up every day and you have that commitment to your health and wellness, to eat well, to sleep well, to exercise, and also in your relationships, um, you know, really commit to your friends, really commit to your family. And then the other stuff, work and and that will just feed in, that will just come as a byproduct. If that is your performance, if your performance is sport, if your performance is your work, you know, if there, if there are things that you value as well, they'll just feed off it as a byproduct. Um, but I think for anyone who's healthy and well, both, both in mind and body, they're going to perform well. Um, so that's what it means to me. I guess you, you work across so many areas, the breadth of, if, of the people you're engaging with, it's transition your students, it's people in the corporate world, it's one-to-one. -one. But what do you, you know, if you could boil that down to some of the key health or well-being or performance challenges that you see um, with the people that you're encountering, what's, what's happening in their worlds right now as you see it? Um, I would say probably um, lacking a why. I think like a, why do I do these things? So from a performance point of view, if we take sport, I think a lot of people commit to their health and wellness because they commit to, but they're really committing to their sport. So they'll eat well, they'll sleep well, they do all those things because it leads to performing on a pitch. I think from my experience, it's when we lack that why, um, we, we don't have that reason. We're, we're not quite sure what, like why should I do yoga why should I eat well um and I think that's something you know a lot of the time it will be short term so so people will lose weight for a holiday and the holiday will be the why and then the holiday is over and they've no why so for me as well from my point of view my why for a long time was getting better getting and healing but now I'm now I am I feel as though I'm in a place where I've healed and I can now begin to create and become a better person. But my why has always been myself. Um, and I think it almost has to be that really sense of deep self-love, self-worth, that I'm gonna eat well, I'm gonna sleep well, I'm gonna exercise, I'm gonna really commit to my relationships because I care about myself. And I think that's the reason and that feeds into other things that then as a byproduct, you tend to just be better in your relationship. So even though you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for other people as well, because you're bringing that good energy to every to all the people's lives that you interact with. So that would be probably the thing that I see people struggle with is maybe just that lack of why and really having a strong why. And if anyone does, I would say just make it yourself. There shouldn't be any there's no greater reason you should do it than others just for you. Um, and the other one I would say just popped into my head there, it kind of links hand in hand is patience. I think something that I struggled with, especially when I was experiencing pain is I wanted to be better yesterday. I was so angry at being in pain for this long that I nearly wanted to make up for all that. I, I wanted to be ready, I wanted to be better right now. And that's just not reality. Um, you really have to honor where you are now. So I'm where I am is where I am with a deep commitment, with this commitment through all your practices or whatever your daily routine is to getting better. If, if that's the journey you're on, if that's a healing journey you're on like I am, I can only speak from experience. But I think a lot of the time 
it, it, there's just a lack of patience there even even in performance it's like do I have to do this every day like do you know I want to be I want to be this good now but honor where you are now this is exactly where you are and this is where you're, you're supposed to be but commit to all these things over a period of time and through that commitment day on day in day out you will get better at whatever it is if it's performing if it's your health and wellness whatever that may be even if it's your relationships what helps you maintain your discipline around a lot of those practices um and for anyone who might be wavering around habits or behaviors what do you advise it's a good question i would say it probably comes back to the why again um just having a why like if you don't have that in anything you do like there's always we always have a choice with everything and i was talking to again to the to the boys in one of the schools i was with yesterday like you do always have a choice but like i have a choice i don't do my yoga i don't do my yoga i do my meditation i don't do my meditation but um my why is is this commitment to what i am now and to what i would like to be in my life and meditation is at the root of that um and yeah self-worth self-respect um i'm doing all these things because i really love myself basically <laughs> like that's that shouldn't be the reason I, I would like that to be everyone's why um to have that really deep sense of self-love that's, that's that's what does it for me and it's not easy it's not easy i don't wake up every morning and love myself but <laughs> i know through them i'm more likely to talk to me as well just about transcendental med meditation I i've heard the term but i don't really know what it is so just maybe briefly you know what is it and, and how does it how does it how does it differ from other forms that you've tried so um in india we did loads of different types um we did gratitude we did breath we did um just varieties like awareness meditations um when I came home, then I did breath for a year. I just committed to breath every day. Um, I did like breath, um, but then I was ready to kind of just see, explore other ones. And I just came across transcendental meditation. I did an Ayurveda course um, through ayurveda.ie, which is unbelievable. They do unbelievable courses for free. And I would recommend that for anyone who wants to do it, ayurveda.ie. Um, but through that, they'd they recommend transcendental meditation it's like at the it's the root of their any advice they give to patients is is tm so i just explored it and i did it and i learned it, it you learn it uh one-to-one -one. um and the difference is, is it's it's mantra based so you get given a mantra um as far as i know the mantra is unique um to the person um now i'm sure the mantras are repeated but whatever mantra was given to me was given to me for a reason and you just repeat the mantra in your head. It's, it's uh, you, you, the first time you do it, you say the mantra out loud and then eventually he guides you that my teacher guided me into, and now just begin to repeat that in your head. And it's funny, it's, you just, uh, you almost lose touch. I think that's the, the nicest thing about it is, is soon the, the mantra gets quieter and quieter um, and then there's just space and peace and the mantra i think that was the nicest thing my teacher taught me is just let go of the mantra the mantra is there but eventually through time you'll actually just let go of it and then 
and then it's it's just you and you're there and you really do experience well I've experienced um lovely peace of mind from it and um and like I say it's not always easy um I think that's always the I, I've had a good experience with it for the last few days, so it's in my mind now, but I know I've struggled with it before. Um, and it's not easy, but keep showing up. Um, that would be, that's in line with your previous question as well as what, what do most people struggle with, I think. And it's just that, can, that commitment to showing up all the time. And, it's, and every day is not going to be easy. Like some days you just will be terrible, but that's okay as well. Um, but just, just keep showing up. What's the one piece of advice you would give to anyone um, looking to live well and perform better? I look at it from probably the live well. I'm gonna just going to focus on that because it's just closer in line with my story um, and my own experience. And I think it's just better for me to give um, an opinion on something that I've experienced. Um, I would say follow your own intuition. I think... Um, I think for me, for years, I was waiting for someone to save me. Um, you know, every day was such a challenge. And I was like, this will help me. This will help me. And this person will help me. I was doing my best, but I had no education around, geez, maybe I can help myself. Um, and it was when I began to really, really take responsibility. And the day I said, I sat there and was like, I don't need to see anyone anymore. That was the day I really took control. Um, and I think that comes from, it comes back to following your, your intuition. Like what really works for you? Like I'm talking about transcendental meditation there, but like that really, really worked for me. I didn't need to like, I think a lot of the time we look up, and we want to, we look up studies and we want everything to be, we look them up and we want evidence. We want evidence that it's going to be fantastic but maybe just experience it and see, is it fantastic? And if it isn't, try it again and keep trying it and see how it works for you. How does, how does this impact me over a long period of time? And I think that's the greatest lesson I've learned is you're, you are your own best healer and do just take that responsibility on yourself. Uh, it's not always easy. It is struggling. And it's important to take the help that's there initially. I think like therapists, um, movement experts, health and wellness coaches, whoever it is, don't get me wrong, they're fantastic and, and it's the business I'm in and I can guide people as much as I can. But even into people who are my clients, I'm a guide. I, I, I can't do the work for them. I can only tell them what, I can only advise them, but it's really up to them, whether they do terribly or whether they, they perform really well. It's actually nothing to do with me. I'm just giving them my experience and mine health. But if they have great results, that's on them. And if they have terrible results, that's also on them as well. With me taking a little bit of responsibility. I will take some responsibility, but you know, all I can do is give advice, really, on my own experience and my own education. Fantastic. Uh, Jack, you're a fountain of knowledge. Uh, you speak so um, passionately uh, based on your own experience. And um, I think for anyone who's listen, listening to this, there's loads in here around health, well-being, um, responsibility. So thanks very, very much for your time and doing this. I really appreciate it. No, thanks, David. It was a really good experience for me as well. Cheers.